My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 170 and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible. Isaiah 34 to 38. Isaiah 34. Come near, you nations, and listen. Pay attention, you peoples. Let the earth hear and all that is in it, the world and all that comes out of it. The Lord is angry with all nations. His wrath is on all their armies. He will totally destroy them. He will give them over to slaughter. Their slain will be thrown out. Their dead bodies will stink. The mountains will be soaked with their blood. All the stars in the sky will be dissolved and the heavens rolled up like a scroll. All the starry hosts will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. My sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. See, it descends in judgment on Edom, the people I have totally destroyed. The sword of the Lord is bathed in blood. It is covered with fat the blood of lambs and goats, fat from the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Edom. And the wild oxen will fall with them, the bull calves and the great bulls. Their land will be drenched with blood and the dust will be soaked with fat. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of retribution to uphold Zion's cause. Edom's streams will be turned into pitch her dust into burning sulfur. Her land will become blazing pitch. It will not be quenched night or day. Its smoke will rise forever, from generation to generation. It will lie desolate. No one will ever pass through it again. The desert owl and screech owl will possess it. The great owl and raven will nest there. God will stretch out over Edom, the measuring line of chaos and the plumb line of desolation. Her nobles will have nothing there to be called a kingdom. All her princes will vanish away. Thorns will overrun her citadels, nettles and brambles her strongholds. She will become a haunt for jackals, a home for owls. Desert creatures will meet with hyenas and wild goats will bleat to each other. There the night creatures will also lie down and find for themselves places of rest. The owl will nest there and lay eggs. She will hatch them and care for her young under the shadow of her wings. There also the falcons will gather, each with its mate. Look, in the scroll of the Lord and read, none of these will be missing. Not one will lack her mate, for it is his mouth that has given the order, and his spirit will gather them together. He allots their portions. His hand distributes them by measure. They will possess it forever and dwell there from generation to generation. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. 
strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground, bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the Lauderer's field, Elakim, son of Hilakai, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Esaph, the recorder, went out to him. The field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look, I know you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff, which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. But if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar. Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses, if you can put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Then Elakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people on the wall. But the commander replied, Was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things, and not to the people sitting on the wall? Who, like you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and of vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Have the gods of any nations ever delivered their lands from the hand of the king of Assyria? 
Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharavim? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries have been able to save their lands from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply, because the king had commanded, Do not answer him. Then Elakim, son of Hilkai, the palace administrator, Shebna the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him what the field commander had said. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. He sent Elakim, the palace administrator, Shebna the secretary, and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. They told him, This is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God, and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlyings of the kings of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. When the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, he withdrew and found the king fighting against Libna. Now Sennacherib received a report that Tirhakah, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. When he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? The gods of Gazan, Hara, Rezef, and the people of Eden, who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath or the king of Arpad? Where is the king of Lair, Sepharavim, Hena, and Evah? Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these people and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. Then Isaiah, son of Amoz, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is what the word of the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? 
against the Holy One of Israel by your messengers, you have ridiculed the Lord. And you have said, with my many chariots, I have ascended the heights of the mountains, the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars, the choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remotest heights, the finest of its forests. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there with the soles of my feet. I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago I ordained it. In days of old I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone. Their people drained of power are dismayed and put to shame. They are like plants in the field, like tender green shoots, like grass sprouting on the roof, scorched before it grows up. But I know where you are and when you come and go and how you rage against me because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears. I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will make you return by the way you came. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Therefore this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He turned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day, while he was worshiping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons, Adramelech and Sherezer, killed him with the sword, and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Eskarashadon, his son, succeeded him as king. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back the 10 steps. It has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back the 10 steps it had gone down. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said, In the prime of my life must I grow through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years. I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night, you made an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion, he broke all my bones. Day and night, you made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a morning dove. 
My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am being threatened, Lord. Come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Isaiah had said, prepare a poultice of figs and apply it to the boil, and he will recover. Hezekiah had asked, what will be the sign that I will go up to the temple of the Lord? Wow, heavy graphic stuff as we're headed towards the end of what Marty Solomon calls the woe section of Isaiah, where the judgment to the nations, even Jerusalem and the tribe of Judah, are clear. But we also get, in chapter 35, that glimmer of hope, a description of the joy and path of restoration towards flourishing for the redeemed remnant. If this reading seemed particularly hard to follow, other biblical scholars agree with you. Marty Solomon describes chapters 36 to 39 as one of the easiest places to encounter the multiple voices of Isaiah. What they mean is, when reading it, did you notice the poetry end and the narrative-like story pick up again, like we read from 2 Kings or 2 Chronicles? It may have felt a bit like, have we read this before? Something has shifted and changed in the stylization of the story. And many biblical scholars talk about the work of a redactor and when and how this book was put together, the person or persons who put these works of Isaiah together. And of course, it could have been Isaiah himself flip into more of a historian mode. But I think it's Brueggemann, his commentary, that also talks about this. Yet in two more chapters, when we get to chapter 40 and transition into what Marty Solomon and Dr. Mackey describe as the servant section of Isaiah, the story moves back into poetry prose. I'm not sure exactly what happened or how, but it's interesting to consider. We have one more chapter of the woes in chapter 39, which is a continuation of where we left off today. And again, I don't know about you, but this part of the story is hard to read. It's sad, frustrating, and I think it's my Clifton slash Gallup strength finder results, if you're familiar with that test where my futuristic, restorative, strategic achiever wants so badly to move in front of the cross to redemption, through to God's healing and anointing grace, through Jesus towards restoration and flourishing. But we have to pause here, right? Even though I want to get to the purposeful participation in God's kingdom, this judgment, these accusations, these warnings, I feel like it's not just to, you know, the tribe of Judah, it's to me, it's to us to think about. Yet, I recognize the warnings, I recognize the ease with which we can drift, and how to stay anchored in the story, in the details, in a soft heart of Shema towards transformation, with the work of the Holy Spirit, towards obedience, yet creativity inside of His boundaries. 
We need the advocate and comforter. We will continue to the cycles of redemption, as Marty calls them, when we will trip and fall in defection, but we need safeguards like staying in God's word to avoid the kind of drift that leads to a hard heart, that leads to participation in the anti-story. Because as we're reading, God cannot allow evil to endure, not in our own hearts and not in the world. As we learned from Jonah, as Marty Solomon describes it, God believes in all of our potential to repent, to be transformed, to Shema, to Shiva, to return to Him in repentance. And at the same time, we hold that intention with the fact that God will not allow suffering and evil to endure in our hearts or the world. So it's like these two things, that's what a paradox is. It's two true things that we hold in tension. And I think there's something really prayerful to consider in that. As we saw in chapter 35, God's grace, His redemption can place us back into His path, His way to become His remnant, participating in the mission at hand. And it's a story that is still unfolding today. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.